morning again. Let's begin this morning with a word of prayer, shall we? Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that you would speak to us loud and clear. I pray that you would greatly encourage your people. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the local church that you put together here. Pray your blessing upon this fellowship. Pray that we would worship the way you've commanded. Operate the way you have commanded. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus made a promise to Peter as recorded in Matthew chapter 16. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He's kept that promise. Jesus has built the church. He's been building it over the last 2,000 years. He continues to build it to this day. And if you are a born-again Christian, then you are a member of Christ's church. And Christ's church is big. It's immense. It's comprised of every believer on planet Earth. It's the church universal. We have many brothers and sisters in Christ worldwide. We're all a member of this huge thing called the church. But we all need a contact point to the universal church. And the contact point is the local church. The local church in your community, where you choose to be involved, where you get active. We all need to be actively involved in the local church. And if you think about it over the last 2,000 years... The church is spread through the uh, teaching of the gospel and local churches being established in various cities all over the world. In fact, the first local church was in Jerusalem, bottom right. Within a hundred years, there were a hundred more churches or more all over. Church at Antioch, Ephesus, Corinth, Rome, Philippi, Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis, Thessalonica, Smyrna, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and many, many others. Local churches all over. And then over the last 2,000 years, as you know, there are thousands of local churches. The church is spread to places like El Paso, Texas. Amen? Amen. We have hundreds of local churches here. 25 years ago, our little local church, Calvary Chapel, Sun City, had its first church service at the Westside YMCA. That was one of our times of greeting. It's a brand new church. The local church is so important to the Christian faith, and it's so important to every single one of us. So why? Why church? 
Why do local churches meet? Why should local churches meet? What are we to do as local church? Why are we to be active in local church? Well, I just want to give you three simple reasons why this morning. And the first one would be this. The local church gives us all a very important and necessary opportunity to worship God together corporately, publicly. This is your opportunity to join with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a very public way. It's where we gather together and we publicly stand for Christ and the cause of Christ. We show ourselves to this community that we're a community of faith. We're Christians. God has always commanded his people to gather together publicly. Way back in the Old Testament, God's people were told to gather publicly. They would go to the temple in Jerusalem often. They would have the feast. They would have the synagogue services later. All of them gathering, singing together, worshiping publicly in front of the world. The early church began meeting together publicly in worship. And we see very clearly in the book of Acts that their regular practice was to meet on the first day of the week, the day that the Lord rose from the dead, which would be Sunday. The local church meeting together, standing together. Showing themselves together to be the community of Christians. Now there's a verse that I've been showing you a lot over the last month. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You remember he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. That is the number one priority in our lives as Christians. Individually, personally, we are to love God with all of our hearts, our minds, and our very souls. And I would submit to you that that is what the local church is to do in a very public way, together. Love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our souls. So you remember, heart, that's the seat of your emotions, your feelings, your affection. That's where you you have this, almost this friendly love for God, but even more than that, it's, it's reverential as well. It's, I love you, God. I want to know you more. One of the best ways to express that is through music and song. And as you know, over the last 2,000 years, when Christians gather, they sing. They sing hymns. They sing music. They sing together. They lift their voices in one accord. They make noise within the community and where they live. Voices in one accord that shout, worshiping the Lord, raising their hands. 
I don't know about you, but it's absolutely thrilling for me to think that all over America right now, in various local churches, Christians are singing. All over the world, in different time zones, Christians in their local communities gathering together to sing, to worship, to honor God in music and song. That's one of the purposes of the church. You know, Jesus said, we're two or three, gather in my name, I'm right there in the midst. We also know from the scripture that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Christ meeting with his people as we gather to worship publicly. Jesus said that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. Now remember, your mind is your intellect, your, your thoughts, your thinking, your intellectual discipline. I really believe that as Christians, when we gather publicly, we're to love God with our minds. And I believe the act of studying the Bible together publicly is loving God with our minds. See, we get together, we open God's word together. We proclaim it publicly. We believe it publicly. We seek to see it preached and understood and learned. We believe the word of God to be the truth that we need and we proclaim it and we do so publicly. And gang, that's an act of worship, the act of, of preaching and teaching the scripture, that's an act of worship. Listening to the preaching and teaching of scripture, that's an act of worship. You're worshiping with your mind. And so churches should give a good amount of time and detail to the proclamation of the word of God. And by the way, when we get together on Sundays, Wednesday nights, when we do our Bible studies... The goal is for us to learn about God, amen? And learn what he wants from us and seek to do exactly what he wants to do, to understand him better and what he wants of us. You know, in a lot of churches, the pastor will become the center of attention. And there are some pastors that want to be the center of attention, and there are some congregations that look at a pastor as the center of attention. I should not be the center of attention. Our goal together is to meet the Lord in the scripture. You know, years ago in the school of ministry, when I was thinking about being a pastor, I heard an illustration that I've never forgotten. A wedding ceremony. When you go to a wedding ceremony, who's supposed to be the focus of attention at a wedding ceremony? The preacher? The officiant? No, the bride... And the groom, all attention is supposed to be on that. It would be very uh, bad, in my opinion, if a, if a preacher in a, in a wedding ceremony tried to be a hotshot. Steal the show, so to speak. A, a preacher is supposed to fade back. All the attention is supposed to go on the bride and the groom. Think of every church service as a wedding ceremony. The bride of Christ is here. Christ is here, the groom. And the goal for us together 
is to hear from him and be connected to him. So the preacher should fade away. The whole idea of proclaiming, teaching, and listening to God's word is that we grow closer to him. So we're to love the Lord publicly with our minds. And then it says we should love the Lord our God publicly with our souls. Now remember, soul speaks of your breath. It speaks of all the activity, how you live life. As Christians, with everything we do, we love God. And that should be the exact same thing when we gather as a church. All activity in the church is to be motivated by our love for God. It's all worship. You know, I see the very act of coming to church as worship. Making the effort to come to church and be gathered with your brothers in it. That's worship. All the acts of service that we would do in the church, from from ushering to greeting to media to children's ministry to security, all the different things, that's all worship. Giving and financial support of the church, that's worship. All of the community outreaches and projects that we would do. That's the church and the community gathering together, worshiping God with our souls. Everything. The Lord gave us two ordinances that we're to keep very publicly. There's that ordinance called communion, right? The Lord's Supper. We're to have that regularly as a church. And it's a public gathering. Literally, we partake of the bread and the juice. And the the scripture says that's one of the ways you proclaim Christ's death till he comes. It's It's a public act. Baptism. We just mentioned a baptism. A lot of times you think of baptism as a very individual thing as a Christian. It's where an individual Christian is making a stand for Christ. Which is beautiful, but it's also to be a public demonstration, a gathering of the church as we gather together in support of the ones who are making a stand for Christ. We stand with them. So really, the whole purpose of a local church is for you to come out strong. To be joined to a community of believers, where you gather publicly, and you worship, and you sing, and you listen to the Bible, and you understand it, and you go for it, and you serve, and you're involved in all of these things. So that's a very important reason as to why we should have church. A second reason, support. One word, support. We need each other. We need a place where we can give one another support and where we can receive support from one another. Again, the universal church is a very big thing. It's worldwide. It's this worldwide family. There are so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're not going to meet on this planet. But I like to think that in heaven, we're going to meet them all. Won't that be cool? We'll have so many people to meet and get to know, not only in our generation, but for the last 2,000 years. 
And then to spend all that time hanging out with the Old Testament saints? I want to spend some time with Noah. <laughs> Have a lot to talk with him about. The church is big, remember, and there's all these people that you can't meet, but in your local church, there's real people. Actual brothers and sisters in Christ that you can meet and that you can get into very deep, meaningful relationships with. And we need that support. One of the best ways that we support one another is through encouraging one another and comforting one another, motivating one another. The classic verse on this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, command to all of us as Christians, let us consider one another In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Look at that. We are commanded to gather, to assemble together regularly, exhorting one another. That is a word that, and it means... You are encouraging, you are motivating, you are comforting your brother, sister in Christ to stir up, fan the flame, provoke. That's why we need a local church. That's why we need to be actively part of a local church, because we need that stirring up. We need that encouragement. We gather together and we encourage each other for acts of love and good works. We exhort one another on how to be better Christians. We encourage one another. There's a discipling process by which we can uh, learn how to be better Christian Husbands and Christian wives and Christian fathers and Christian mothers and Christian brothers and witnesses and workers all throughout this community. We get encouraged in that. When we gather together, we can comfort one another when we're going through hard times. I'll tell you, out in the world, it can be difficult. If you're trying to make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ out in this community, you can go out there and you can get beat up. But when you come to church, you get built up. You have people that got your back. They'll encourage you. They'll strengthen you. And by the way, notice it says, do this so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is he speaking about? What day? The last days, as things get darker and darker and darker, and I believe we're living in the last days, the darker and darker that the days get, the more and more and more you need a family of believers that you know and love. And you are encouraging one another, supporting one another. You know, every now and then I'll meet that Christian. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. 
I don't like the organized church. I'm not going to go to this church, but I love Jesus. And they're a lone ranger Christian. And they're going to do it themselves. No, that's not the way we... I, I will, I'll be the first to tell you right now, the church ain't perfect. And I guarantee you, I'm not a perfect member of the church. None of us are. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? We're all works in progress. We need each other. We need to support one another. We need to receive support from one another. I do all my gas grill, my grilling now with the gas, the propane. It's much easier, isn't it? But do you remember the charcoals? How long you had to wait? And how do you get them all going? You put them together, right? Put them on fire, and you got to keep them together, and that keeps. What happens when you take one of those coals away? What happens to that coal? It totally cools off. The church needs to be together, supporting one another. So I would, I would highly and strongly encourage you, if you call Calvary Chapel Sun City your local church, make every effort that you can to get involved, to be a part, to get to really know people here. We need to encourage one another. We also need each other just for living life, for practical help and caring for one another. You remember Jesus gave us that new commandment, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is how the church, this is how Christians are supposed to love. We're supposed to love one another as Christ loved us That can only happen in a tight-knit family. Within a local church. You know, I actually did a search in my Bible software on the words one another. What are we supposed to do with one another as Christians? It's quite a list. We're to be kindly affectionate to one another. We're to give preference to one another. We're to be patient and comforting to one another. We're to admonish one another, counsel one another, greet one another, care for one another, through love serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, speak and sing truth to one another, submit to one another, teach one another, build one another, exhort one another, pray for one another, confess sin to one another. Don't grumble about one another. Don't speak evil of one another. We're to be hospitable to one another. We're to be compassionate towards one another. That is quite a list, wouldn't you say? And we need that. You need that body of believers that you know. You know, in the early church, you remember they they went through some hard times financially and many of the early church members sold everything they had, joined together in the church and lived kind of in a commune situation for several years. The early church took steps to take care of widows and orphans. And so, 
Here we are. We should be here for one another to help one another through financial difficulties, through times of sickness, accidents, to help the elderly, the widows, to help one another with meals and tasks. We're there for one another in the birth of our children. We're there for one another in our celebration of weddings. We're there for one another when we bury our loved ones. We know each other. We live together. We bear each other's burdens. Do you have that? You need it. We all need it. We have this wonderful ministry called the Mills Ministry. I got to tell you, that is an amazing ministry. And if you're the recipient of that, dude, you are so blessed. You know how many people sign up for our Mills Ministry? Almost everyone who's been a recipient of the Mills Ministry the very next week will sign up to be a part of it. Because they've realized what a blessing it is to relieve the burden of meals in a very practical way with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I would sign up for that. Offer your time to to help elderly people with their backyards, with responsibilities around the house. It's beautiful. We're family. We need each other. That's why you need to be actively involved in church. You know, there are times where we will get calls. We get calls quite a bit at the office, and it's somebody looking for help. And you can tell they're just going down through the phone book calling churches. And they'll need some kind. It's usually a financial help. And we will always ask, do you have a church? And a lot of them will say, no church, no connection, no support. Desperate. And there are times where we will do our best to help anybody in the way that we can. But I'll tell you what, man, if you've got... That church. Let me ask you, when life goes sideways for you, is there someone you call? If life goes sideways for someone else, are you one that they will call? Do we join together like that? So we need church for the support that we receive and the support that we give to one another within the context of a close family. Okay, there's a third reason why we should do church, why we should be actively involved in church, and here it is. You need church because it's at church that you get equipped for ministry. I'm going to put up a verse that might completely change the way you look at local church. I put this up. Wednesday night, Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians chapter 4, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So here Paul mentions some leaders in the body of Christ. Some are called to be leaders, not all, some. Apostles. Prophets, evangelists, 
pastor teachers. Those leaders in the church, leaders in a local church. What's the responsibility of the leaders of the church? Why are they there? What does it say? For the equipping of the whom? Saints. For the work of the ministry. Who's the saints? I believe that would be all of us. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian being a part of a local church. You're the saints. Now check this out. I can remember for many, many years thinking to myself, you go to church to watch the ministers do ministry. You go to church and you expect the leaders of the church to be the ones that are doing all the ministry. Not so. Who's really doing the work of the ministry? The saints. The leaders equip the saints. Because I'm telling you, a lot of ministry happens at church and a lot of but most of the ministry happens out there in that community. Remember, in your sphere of influence where you work, in your circle of friends, in your neighborhood, your job is to bring the kingdom of heaven into those areas. And the purpose of church is to be equipped to learn how to do that better. I'm a football fan. So let's do a football analogy, okay? Church time is huddle. We're in a huddle. Or we're in a locker room. The pastors, the leaders of the church, I'm the equipment manager. I'm the water boy. I'm the coach. I give instruction. All of these different leaders in here We give instruction. The ministry happens out there. The job of the church, the job of the leaders, is to make you equipped to help you be that witness that you need to be out there. Now, again, there's a lot of things that we will do as a church together. Outreaches, vacation Bible school, Christmas outreach, community outreaches. I love when you invite non-believers to church. We do share the gospel regularly. And I will preach the gospel. But by far, most of the ministry happens out there. And the biggest responsibility of church, the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons, is it's because here that you get equipped for ministry. Now, how are we equipping the saints for ministry? Well... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what should we do at church? We should study the word. What, what, what do leaders, what's their big responsibility? I feel like my biggest responsibility is to do everything I can to teach the Bible in a way that's understandable, in a way that will excite you to study on your own, in a way that you can grasp, take in, apply to your life on a day-by-day basis out there. So we're committed to that. 
The leaders of the church should be committed to that. Giving good counsel from the Bible. It's a big part of our responsibility. Teaching the scripture. Teaching the truth. I believe another thing that needs to be happening at the local church is that Christians need to be learning their callings and their spiritual gifts. The Bible teaches that every true born-again Christian has a spiritual gift. Paul says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the spirit is given to all. And then it goes on to list all of these different spiritual gifts that you may have. You have a spiritual gift. You have a calling upon your life. At church, you should discover that. At church, you should find out where you fit. So I went through, I looked at the whole list of spiritual gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, ministry, helps, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, also known as administration, mercy, also called acts of compassion, and then the various offices of spiritual leadership like the apostles, the prophets, the pastor teachers, the evangelists. You've got one of them. And I actually believe that you got a, a package of spiritual gifts that coincides with what God has called you to do in practical ways in the body of Christ. And you find them in your interaction with your brothers and sisters in Christ at church. Remember, we all get together and we provoke one another. We stir one another up to love and good works and good deeds. You need that. You need that. You know, it's interesting. I do see myself a lot of times as a pastor. I do see myself as the equipment manager. I've also considered myself sort of a spiritual chef. I'm a chef. My job is to put good meals together for the people of God. From God's word. I also see myself in many ways as a talent scout. See, as the pastor of the church, I can see where there's all the holes that need to be filled. All the different needs in the body. And then I run across a person who wants to get involved and you see their gifting. And you put that together. And there's no greater joy than seeing someone find that spot and be a part. So those three reasons... We gather to take a public stand. The church is there for us to find and give support. The local church is also there for us to be equipped for the ministry. Let's do that, all right? Let's keep the local church going in the way that I believe Scripture clearly teaches it should.
By the way, if you'd like to become a member of the church, it's completely open. How do you become a member of the universal church? Through faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, acknowledging that you're a sinner. All Christians, the only entrance into the church is through humility, admission of sins, and receiving Christ as your... By the way, that's how you would become a member of this local church as well. Some local churches have formal uh, lists and classes that you have to go through. We don't do that. We're pretty informal. If you want to become a member of this church, give your life to Jesus. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and then come on board. Get involved. Be a part of it. Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, that your hand of blessing would be upon this local church. We thank you for the way you've taken care of this church over the years. And I pray, God, that you would keep us on the right track. I pray that we'd truly get to know one another, that we'd be a lighthouse together in this community. That we would be equipped for ministry. And Lord, we humbly join forces with every other local church in town and every local church on planet Earth to seek to represent you. I pray that you would build deep, meaningful relationships here. Pray that families would be taken care of, people would be taken care of through these deep relationships. We'd be encouraged more and more, especially as the day continues to approach. Lord, reveal to us the calling that you have on our lives, the gifts that you've given to us. If you are here this morning, if somebody invited you to check out church with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and you've never received Christ, you've You don't know if you're a part of the church, the universal church, this awesome group that Christ promised to build and he has been building and he's building today. Would you be added into that number today? Right now? Would you become a member? It is not signing on a dotted line. It is not becoming religious. It's not joining a club. It's not joining. It's placing your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose again to make it possible for you to be forgiven, born again, to become a child in his family. Have you done that? Have you received Christ? I want you to have that opportunity right now. 
if that's you in the quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, I want in. Pray this. May it be a cry of your heart. I want in. I want to be a member of your family. I want to be a child in your family. Right now, I place my faith and trust in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Rising again. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Make me born again. Help me to find my spot in your family, in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.